I think a great way to look at client conversations, in particular the first one, is it's a little bit like dating. Right, if you spend all of their time talking about yourself, you know, at a date, does that person want to have a second date with you? No. That's Kira Feely, author and sales enablement strategist. She shows companies how sales strategy and brave moves can transform companies, lives, and culture. And in this episode of Your Truth Shared, we talk about the changing sales landscape where it's getting harder and harder for salespeople to earn the conversation with potential clients. We also touch on how digitization of the sales process has helped us build trust at a distance, and yet we still need people to open up that conversation. I'm Fanola Howard, intuitive marketer, your host and founder of How Great Marketing Works. I believe that every business has a story to tell because that's how the market decides whether to buy or not. And your story has to resonate with who you are and with the people you want to serve. And this podcast is about helping you reach the market in a way that feels right to you. So if you're an entrepreneur with a dream you want to make real, then this is the podcast for you because great marketing is your truth shared. It's about time we talked about sales. I mean, it's a marketing and entrepreneurship show. It's about time we talked about sales. And one of the things that I love about Kira is Kira would call herself a sales enablement strategist. And it's a great phrase. It's also a great phrase because it's an indicator of her approach. And she takes a very depth, a depth approach that uh, kind of calls people out in terms of, you know, are you really doing relationship selling? And are you really partnering with your suppliers? Are you truly doing this? And is it reflective of your culture in your organization? And one of the things I love about Kira as well is this idea that sales and marketing and more need to work together better because traditionally they've been separate. So that's, I'm even giving it all away now. So I'll stop. So welcome, Kira. My job is done. Interview over. Yeah, yeah mic drop. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was so excited because it's just a great approach to sales. Like, because it's always so separate, you know, sales and marketing, when we could be just doing this amazing work together if we actually worked together. Yeah, yeah, I, I would completely agree. And the more that I get into it myself, the more I realize how much they must be aligned. Uh, because traditionally there there has almost been a little bit of a conflict that sales might totally. be saying, oh, marketing haven't delivered us proper quality leads. That's why we're not converting more. That's why our conversion rate is low, you know? And marketing could be saying, oh, we're delivering the leads. Sales team aren't, aren't converting them, you know? The other one that I've heard, you know, over the years is that, Sales is too short-term focused, not thinking of the bigger picture. And marketing is too slow to move to actually get the sales in the door. You know, there's loads of conflicting things that the blend just makes such a difference. Yeah. And and there can also be a conflict in, in messaging. So marketing marketing might have this beautiful message and branding delivered, but then if they have a very different experience once the sales team are in contact with them, it, it's it's just confusing almost for for mm. the client. And 
and it, it, it's a waste of resources and it's it's ultimately not helping the uh, the the brand to, to deliver on something that they say that that they will you know if there's confusion at the early stages of the sales process or as I like to call it mm. the client's buying journey then they're not going to yeah. buy yeah and this is the other thing that I love about you is that, and it's something I'm really passionate about, is the importance of culture in the mix. Like we're really talking about, is it, and it's this thing I'm always talking about, your truth told, your truth shared. It's that that, that truth, that culture has to touch everything in the organization. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it just has to be the way of doing business, um, that that has yeah. to just be... Uh, you know the DNA, let's say, of mm. um, of the sales process, and a lot the sales process starts with the marketing. A, a lot of the time, the marketing mm. might be the one that that attracts the, the the right type of client. That the the message is strong enough that the client is saying, "Hey, that's me." Uh, you know, yeah. I have that issue, and and yeah. uh, and enables them to 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 put up their hand and to say, "I want to go further." You know, it takes it can take a lot of work and a lot of really effective listening to to clients, really knowing your clients to get that message right. Um, you know, all the work that you do, Fanol, and helping people to really get clarity on that, to peel back the layers of the onion, and dig deep as to what is it that is important enough to the client here to get them to stop what they're already doing because they're so so busy right now mm. and you almost have to get them to stop in in their tracks and just say that's me i have that issue or i want to achieve that result i need to have a conversation with um with with, with this company or with this person you know if it's a um, solo entrepreneur or whatever that might be um mm. and, and and then that that sales, so that's when sales take over and, and sales really need to be able to continue that conversation. Um, and, and I talk a lot about the power of earning the conversation because everybody is so busy right now because they could be doing, um, you know, two jobs instead of, you know, two years ago they had one job and now they're doing the work of two or three people. And, mm. and you have to earn that conversation. They have to see why it will be a good use of their time to give you their time. I love that. That's a really great way to frame it, earning the conversation, because it's not, you, the brain doesn't immediately go to close the sale, close the sale. It's not. It's first you have to earn the right to have the conversation. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that's harder and harder to get right now. You know, you used to be able to get them in person and now it might be they might turn up with their camera off <laughs> online, right, to a virtual conversation, yeah. which can be really, really difficult and very off-putting. What do you do when that happens? Well, you you can ask, you say, hey, look, this is a conversation. I love to, to, to set it up as that. You can ask to put, put it literally put on your camera but i think the way that you frame it is 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 how much are you getting them to anticipate that conversation uh you know it's not just enough to send a calendar invite how are you preparing them for it i just actually this morning did a um a, a two and a half hour training with a team on the demo and um and sometimes that can be the the, the first uh, conversation that you get with a potential client in this in let's say in the software business you know um 
And we spent probably an hour and a half almost on how you prepare for that demo. So it's 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 ensuring that they know that it's interactive, uh, that it will be a conversation. Um, it won't be a one way uh, exchange of information. Um, and what are the wow moments that you're doing to ensure that they're excited to turn up to this? Like is the default position that they think they're just doing a presentation and then getting questions at the end. That happened over COVID, definitely over lockdowns. Because you notice what happened in, in, in April of 2020. Everybody just all of a sudden went online doing a lot of freebie stuff and it was a one-way exchange of information. Like I, I started um, selling online, so to speak, or training online in 2014. And so mm-hmm. I had learned that you you have to make a connection. It, it can't just be that one way. Um, and, and it was, it turned out to be an over load of information. So what I did in, in I ran my first um, time to rethink in February of uh, 2020, because I started seeing my business was going away. I worked, my clients were in the event and the hospitality industry. I had a lot of Asian clients. So I started seeing cancellations coming in the end of uh, January and into February. And I was on a call to a, an American client, actually. And she said to me, Kira, she said, I am freaking out. I'm after losing five million of business this week alone, you know, and it really stayed with me. She was an entrepreneur. She did small team, 10 people. And that stayed with me. I was like, how can I help her? I couldn't stop events being canceled, but how could I help her? And then I, I thought of it. I said, "Okay, I can help her react, control how she reacts to this. And so I started running these space to rethink sessions in February 25th and bringing people from like I have clients in Dubai, clients um, in Thailand, clients in in America and in Europe and bringing them together and just sharing what they were seeing happening. And and it was just a healthy space to to think stuff through, you know, and um, Mm. that's Powerful. It's a really nice uh, left of center approach in the panic. There's this moment of pause to step out so you can see clearly. It's It seems to be an earmark of how you work also. You always step out of sight of the usual to look at what's actually happening. Yeah. Well, thank you. That's a nice way to, to, to look at it. Yeah. Uh, and then, of course, I discovered your fabulous program that you ran in, in, in June of, of, of that year, you know. But uh, there there is a lot of um, new, to use that phrase, new normals that have come from that in terms of the sales process. You hear a lot of talk of digitalization of sales. What is that? It's not taking the human element out of it. It's not taking that face-to-face and that interaction out of it. But it is in my mind using uh, technology in order to enable and and um, earn more conversations um, and perhaps it's using technology to to be able to do uh, a lot more that was so time intensive trying to do just one 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 to one you know so um so how are you using your marketing to to get more people to put up their hands and say yes i um, I, I, I would like to have a conversation um, w- with you. And, you know, you use that word pause, um, you know, 
because we don't have to travel as much, because it is, you know, more acceptable, let's say, to 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 do a lot more online. Um, that doesn't mean that you take the personalization out of it, and that doesn't mean that you take that uh, that human um, approach out of it. You have to work even harder to make a connection and to make that connection virtually. And that that can take a little bit of time to develop. It can take a little bit bit of, um, you know, teasing and tweaking, let's say, to get it right for your particular type of clients. Uh, Maybe you have um, different layers of clients. So you have a decision maker and then you have maybe um, a a, a user or the team that you'd be working with and you might have different messaging for, for, for both of them. But either way, you still personalization and making that connection is absolutely foundational to the future of sales. Can we take a step back for a second just to because there's some interesting stuff about your journey as an entrepreneur. And then let's come back because I'd really like to talk more about sales and the future of sales and how we do sales. Um, because it's a very interesting time. But you started in business um, with a business called Find a Conference Venue. Can you share the journey from there to here? Like not for long, just just love to see that process of how you went through that. And then you had to pivot in when the pandemic hit. Well, I moved. I I have a lot of my experience literally coming out of college. I had the green card. Um, I went to America and I worked for large corporations, IHG and, uh, you know, pretty, pretty global companies uh, between working in New York in advertising and then moving to the hotel industry when I went to San Francisco. And when I moved back to Ireland, uh, I worked for a small company in Irish um company first, family run company. And then I discovered that I really wanted to do my own thing. Uh, But it was very, um, I I felt very limited because I could do the whole hotel consultancy stuff. And I was helping them to find business and conference business. But I really was so limited in the number of clients I could take on. And let's say Mm. I, I was working for two or three clients around the country, um, maybe in Cork, maybe in Galway. And if I was going to an event client, they'd say to me, oh, if you only had a venue in Dublin or if you had a venue in the north of Ireland, I'd have business for you. And then I thought, well, how can I have venues everywhere? and still be able mm. to deliver business. So the answer was technology and bringing it online. So that was in 2006, and I created a venue of directories in Ireland where you could um, not quite go through the whole booking process, but it was like finding um, the right venue. So that was findaconferencevenue.com. And then I, I kind of grew out of love with that business, to be honest with you, Fanola. Um, in 2012, you know, I was a... Uh, uh, a new mother of twins mm. and that was definitely a challenge but I knew there was something else out there for me and I kind of went on this journey to figure out what was that next level of business um, for me and mm. uh, and I started to write a book yeah. and that gave me extreme clarity and that allowed me to see that I had a a process, a methodology, mm. and that's where my steps to win uh, came from. And and it was all about looking at your business from the point of view of the client. Now, I was working in the event side of that, and it it still is an area that I that I love to do. Um, and I 
they were my main clients, let's say, for, you know, seven, eight, nine, ten years. And then in 2019, I knew that I was ready for something more and for working outside of the events industry. And obviously 2020 was that little bit of a push <laughs> to do that. Tell me, it's kind of interesting. Um one of your core things is about looking at the business from the customer's perspective. Why do you think people don't see that? You get just, you know, you just get so wrapped up in your own business. And and, and a lot of the time it comes from a place of passion, especially as a business owner, that you just know what you can do and how you can help people. But the way you're communicating it isn't necessarily coming across as that to the client, you know. And, you know, I, sometimes I call it that third eye. I didn't realize I had it until, you know, I was in sales in hotels and then I went to the buyer side and then I saw and experienced firsthand how people sold to me. And I went, wow, you know, I used to do that. I used to make those same mistakes, <laughs> even though, you know, I was fairly successful at it. I was good at what I was doing, but I didn't realize that I wasn't really all about the client, that I was trying to make my deadlines. I was trying to make my goals. And uh, and I had good relationships. And sometimes people think that because I know the client very well, because I know their children's names, their birthday, all of that kind of stuff, and I know a lot about their business, that doesn't necessarily mean that you have the kind of relationship that they need now for being in business now with them. And that really is all about, um, you know, you mentioned the partnership. It's, it's being strategic. It's giving them that space to really uh, think things through, that clarity those moments of clarity and uh, and and if you're the person that can help them to do that then you are of a lot more value to them and it's it's that value proposition how can you help them to do their job even better can they say to their boss that uh, I can't do this as well without this person without working having this this partnership or whatever that might be I think that's an interesting distinction just to just go back to the start of that, the difference between having a good personal relationship and actually having a very constructive, uh, deeper professional relationship that the two are completely different. Like we, and I don't know if it's an Irish thing or not, but we sandwich them very often and, and have expectations around that personal relationship. And I think it's a very good perspective to leave people with here is that just because you have a personal, a good personal relationship doesn't mean you have a very productive professional relationship. Yeah, they have to be able to stand in their boardroom or where, wherever in their ecosystem and be able to justify why they need to work with you. Uh, when I, I teach the, the, the steps to win and when we're looking at tools to build and uh, how you are enabling the contact that you have in a company to, 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 to sell you almost, right? Because they have an internal meeting that you will never be invited to. And yeah. what are they saying about you? They can't be guys, oh, because I, I really like Kira, you know, yeah. oh, because she <laughs> sends me a birthday card. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. not going to cut it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. They have, to, they have to really feel passionately and, and, and know very clearly that 
um, working with Kira, working with Fanola, uh, enables me to do X. Um, she understands what our goals are about, what we're trying to achieve, the challenges that we have with our business. She understands our customers, and that's why um, I'm able to achieve this from working with her. You know, it's 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 that that value proposition. It's not about price. Is when you explain that difference to your clients, is does a light bulb go off? Yes. Yeah. Mm, yeah. I bet. Ab- absolutely. Because uh, it. It, it, it can depend on the type of business that you're working um, with, but sometimes you may not get that one-to-one time with the decision maker. So you have to create a raving fan out of uh, the, your, your, your contact. You know, ideally, yes, you, you, you need to be skilled enough to, to move it on that you do get audience time with the decision maker. But again, that has to really be earned. You know, you're down to the last two, perhaps, um, if, you're, if you're getting that kind of, that kind of time. If you were to give us, you know, for typical, I know there's no client is completely typical, but if you were to give us three tips or something to to reposition you away from the personal relationship, well, not even that, who cares about that? It's to position you uh, in the proper, mm, to position you successfully in this professional relationship that means that you that they are your champion. What, how would you suggest people approach that, even in their mindset? With an existing client, is it? Or yeah, yeah, just as it because we can't be in everybody's uh, business, but we know that there's ways of thinking differently about. I mean, for me, it's always about you know really good customer profiling, which in my experience, very few people do very well because they don't go deep enough to actually really understand pain points with customers so that they can really put themselves in their shoes. What's your perspective in that space? Yeah, I, I think it is uh, the the conversation piece. Um, so we've spoken about earning the conversation and what are you doing in terms of thought leadership? Um, how have you figured out that client profiling piece, what's of interest to them. Uh, step two of my steps to win is that, uh, that, that leading a high converting client conversation. Uh, sometimes we can go into that in just winging it, but really essential is to prepare for it. So I teach a four step conversation frame mm. that really puts you in the position um, of, of, of leading that client conversation. Because sometimes you might find that you're in a conversation and the client is doing all the questions, asking all the questions, you know, and you, you're, you feel that you, perhaps you're on the, the back foot a little bit. And then, then there's going straight to price. I'm like, oh, but I haven't got to tell you all about this mm. and all the rest, you know. So it's how do you lead that client conversation? And I can give a quick tip on, on that now. So Please. it's asking something as simple as I really want to understand that I um, really want to, to ensure that I understand everything about your business and how I can, you know, help you, how I can put the best proposal together. I have a number of questions to ask. May I go ahead and ask them? 99.9% of the time you'll get a yes. And then that's preparing the client that you're going to ask them a number of questions. Now, you don't proceed then to, you know, interrogate them. 
But this, again, is where training comes into place in terms of really thinking through what are the strategic questions that I can ask to open up the conversation? I call them the killer questions. Mm. And sometimes we can tend to ask closed ended questions and the client really isn't, you know, they're kind of giving you yes and no answers and you're not gleaning an awful lot of information. Ideally, this is the part in the conversation where the client is almost telling you the sales pitch. They're they're, yeah. they're telling you what they want to hear, you know? And and a lot of the time, Fanola, that takes real listening. A lot of salespeople are not the best at listening. A lot of business owners aren't necessarily the best at listening because they just want to tell you all about how they can help you, you know? But unless the client really, really feels understood, that you understand them, and sometimes they might come into a conversation and they think they want one thing, And then through your questioning technique, through your skill level to be able to lead that conversation, they come out with this clarity of, wow, this is actually what I need, you know? And if you're the person to help give them that headspace, then you are of more value to them, you know? And then when is the right time to talk about your product or your service to actually do the selling and show Mm. that you listened? And then the fourth step is all about next steps. Wonderful. Talk to me about the work that you do, because you work predominantly with sales teams. So what what's the kind of vibe around sales or the trends that are happening in sales teams or the challenges that sales teams are typically having? Uh, number one is um, getting the client on a call. Yeah. <laughs> uh, getting them to turn up. Uh, to a call, maybe if you are successful in doing that and uh, and getting that all famous callback. Uh, you know, a lot of people will say, oh, but I, I keep trying them and they're not calling me back. But what are you really doing that um, is showing, you know, the value that you bring to, to them? A lot of sales people when I say salespeople, it's it's business owners, you know, anybody who's who's responsible for revenue generating, uh, they might give up after two goes. Like, oh, they're not interested. They didn't call me back, you know. But you got to think what's happening in that client's business. Uh, maybe a, another really high priority project came across their, their table um, and maybe it's their end of year. Uh, there, there could be 10 other things that happened. Maybe a, a, a close colleague um, resigned and they've the workload of two people right now you know so it's how can you meaningfully design uh, that experience that uh, when they're ready when the time is right right now that you're the first person that they think of and that you're there um you're there for them. and how do you do that normally like if because we don't know if someone's not replying very often we will give up so how are you earning that next step you're earning that next step in terms of um, using what the knowledge that you have of that client and how are you um, seeding that back to them. Um, perhaps it's that nurturing sequence. You you teach very well that nurturing uh, sequence um, to, 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 to help them to see that you're in their inbox in a meaningful way. 
right? Um, and, and so there's, you know, a series of different emails that you can write that some of them might be quirky. Some of them might be headline, are you okay? I, you know, I always get yeah. a response from that one. Uh, but maybe it is that you need to educate them another little bit. Um, maybe it is that you need to remind them of a problem that they had two months ago when it was really, really urgent. And they're like, okay, I'm coming back to that now. I'm coming up for air. So many times I can hear that, Kira, I'm coming up for air. I just had to focus on something else for the last two two months you know um I, linkedin is is fantastic way of of keeping that conversation alive um sending a personalized little video there's a wonderful way of doing that through messaging in in um in linkedin and actually over lockdown over the first lockdown i remember walking um going out for walks on my lovely country road and i was leaving voice uh, notes over and back for this guy in china who runs a big venue and i was getting some very valuable information from him his name was wayne and he was the first person who sent me um an audio note over linkedin and and i hadn't realized that it existed i was like hey i love this so it's just one little uh, voice notes that we were sending to each other and it's just something different whenever i send a video to somebody they're like wow i didn't realize that existed and it can just really open up a conversation again but it takes strategizing and and thinking okay what suits me what suits my brand what suits my business the old-fashioned note in the post is always yeah. like, you know, a lovely surprise yeah because nobody sends a letter anymore it's perfect yeah and you and that can really open up a conversation and earn you that conversation again yeah i love it and it, it's also because I think even this conversation would give people space to go, oh, I can imagine different ways. And I could really tune into really like by watching their social media, I know what they're up to. Or if they're completely silent, I know what they're up to. They're, also, the other thing I'm getting from this conversation is the value of every interaction you have to really maximize the value, not to be flippant about any step in this process, any step in this customer journey. You're really mining it to earn the next step. Yeah, yeah, and and sometimes it does really take that stepping back and being so thoughtful of where are they right now? You know, it's not about where are you in your sales journey; it's where are they in their buying journey. And sometimes yeah. you just have to slow down because something else consumed them. You know, um, and it's not. You know, if, if you just give up and say, oh, they're not interested in the purchase from somebody else, all that hard work can be undone. Uh, but if you if you can put them on your nurture sequence list or if you can just every so often just do something that a li little bit thoughtful and and then they can come back to you and say, thank you for sticking with me. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I just I'm ready now. You know, things changed. I'm ready now. And sometimes internally in, in a business, it can take a long time to get through uh, something through. I remember having a conversation, a good friend of mine in a very large bank in the US. And she said, she said, Kira, she said, sometimes it's just not worth the bother of me trying to get a new supplier set up internally. She said, they really have to be able to do amazing things for me in order for me to change that because it's it's a painful process for them. Um, and, and sometimes it can be 
who else do they need to convince? Who else, who, who are the other stakeholders? How aware of you are that? So they, that your contact might be an influencer. They might be, um, you know, the, the, the person that, um, you know, is your internal contact, but they're trying to convince 10 other people. Uh, what happens in, uh, in, in more difficult economies is that there's more and more decision makers. It's rarely just one person because they don't want to take that risk. They don't want to have it on them that, you know, if something didn't work out, that that, um, you know, what wasn't a good investment of time and money, right? So, uh, you know, a, a recent example, I was speaking with a large um, enterprise software company and he said there was 40. 40 That's years. the question I wanted to ask you, because you yeah. said that to me the last time and I was like, wow. 40 decision makers or stake different stakeholders. So it can be a case in, in working with your know, large enterprise sales that it's no longer just a, a one-to-one relationship. It's it's a company to company because you perhaps have to have um, executive cover. You have to uh, have the finance um, team involved, the procurement team involved, uh, the risk analysis team involved, uh, the legal team involved, the marketing team, team involved, that it's it's no longer just um, a one to one relationship. And so that's it's it's a more holistic view, I suppose, really. Yeah, it's it's account based marketing, but really it's it's so yeah, it is a holistic point of view. You're actually trying to get the whole company on board effectively. But I, it's I remember working with people over the years and always saying if you're in high level sales with, you know, with an enterprise, you can't just be have a relationship with one person in that organization because people move. It's that pragmatic. Yeah. Yeah. People, people move, but also they are sharing the decision making yeah. responsibility of the decision making. So you have to know who else you are um, dealing with. And, you know, you can ask it. Uh, you can say, look, who are the other people that you're working on this project with you know and and glean that information um and then um that's a great way also to use uh, marketing is perhaps is to help once you uncover who else it is that you need to to persuade uh that, that marketing perhaps can um go after those people so to speak so in your experience then this all sounds to me like it's pivotal, I always believed this anyway, but pivotal to have a customer relationship management system in place. But in my experience, salespeople hate them. Oh, and and, and to be honest with you, I, I, I nearly got fired <laughs> in the early 2000s because I refused to use that system. Yeah. Um, and my boss, I remember, she was like, nearly banging her head off the wall trying to get me to do it I had so much information in my head yeah and absolutely it it, it was because out of yeah again passion I just kept moving on to to the next thing or I'll have I'll just call one more person and Mm. then I wasn't taking that time to just fill, fill it back in but I think CRMs you know as they are now they've really progressed I I'm hoping in the next few years that they will even more because um 
they shouldn't be all about administration. There shouldn't be a burden on the sales uh, person. Uh, yeah. They should really be freeing them up to, to do um, an awful lot more. But I remember uh, it was in 2018 uh, at um, a pool party in Las Vegas. And it was just, oh, it's one of these amazing um, venues. And I was having a chat with a girl who was in my workshop during the day. And she we, we had this conversation and she, she said that she is, is really shocking at putting in uh, her notes and all the client info and intel that she has in her head. And uh, and I said, um, and I said, well, what happens if you're out sick? You know, um, and she says, well, th- you know, they might call me. I said, well, what if you're not accessible? I said, the client is calling in. They're in a panic. They need something, you know, to do, but to do with their their event. And it, ideally, you know, your colleague needs to be able to just look in in their profile and and know everything straight away that's that's in your head. But you know, you're not really serving your clients very well if you're making your teammates have to call you. You know, mm. bother you on holiday that it's in your head, then your client would obviously be very, very upset with you, you know. So you're not really serving your clients um, very well. But yes, I, I think it's a habit that people really need to maintain that it's or to to achieve, you know, to, to, to just make it a habit. I have an interaction with a client. It needs to go into the system, you know. Do you think that a salesperson and I mean, this is not new information that salespeople hate CRM, but do you think that they can sell more if they use CRM? Because of those occasions, many, many occasions where it's a longer journey and it allows you to facilitate that longer journey because the CRM will trigger when you need to to make contact again. Yeah, it just it just makes sense. And again, it's about using technology. The people who will be really successful are the people who use technology to help uh, help free them up. Right. Yeah. Help free them up to do better things, to do uh, things that they enjoy to do uh, in, in, in doing more. And, uh, you know, using that CRM to help prompt you, to help nurture clients along um, uh, for perhaps even Intel for your marketing team to be able to read certain things. Oh, I didn't realize this. You know, you, you perhaps go through a dip at this stage. Well, you know, I have an idea on how I can help bring that around for you again. You know, it's um, I, I think absolutely it's it's imperative, really, that that salespeople try and change their mindset about that. It's and, and you know, you don't need to keep your head full of all this information. Right. It yeah. just gets clogged up. <laughs> free yourself up (laughs) yeah and you can't innovate or or problem solve how to get to the next stage with a client if you're full of you know chatter trying to remember stuff I mean do you still see that that there is this complete transactional relationship that the predominance of sales teams are transactionally focused yeah, I do definitely. Um, I was uh, in conversation with um, an account executive on LinkedIn. Now she did something fabulous in her in terms of earning the conversation, and she could see that a potential client was um, uh, was fundraising for a charity. So she said to him that she would do a hundred k of exercise in the next month. Um, and, um, and in exchange, would he have a half an hour 
conversation with her, you know. So he said, wow, you know, fair, fair, fair dues to her. So she put it out on LinkedIn that this is what she was going to do. And she said she'd prove it through her garment and all of that. Right. Yeah. So she immediately, you know, got his attention, earned his conversation, earned the conversation. And then it turned out that they were going to be in the same place at the same conference. So she got an in-person one. Right. So um, I wish the best of luck with the conversation. And and I followed up with her after and says, how did it go? And she said, oh, she said it was great. I got to go through my full demo of solutions for him you know now that to me is not a great conversation you know yeah. it sounds like a one-way yeah um, you know just literally her throwing as much information out there as, as possible you know I think a great way to look at client conversations in particular the first one is it's a little bit like dating right if you spend all of their time talking about yourself you know at a date then does that person want to have a second date with you? No, you know? So again, it's this killer questions that I teach. It's that conversation frame. You have to be curious. You have to make it about them and they have to walk away feeling that connection. And they'll never get that if you're just doing a demo. The next thing that's really important in this, uh, in the customer journey is this idea of onboarding. But one of the things that you, and onboarding successfully, so they are, really excited to start working together or buying your product or experience your product. But one you you expressed a new term when we when we spoke in preparation for this conversation and you talked about everboarding. Do you want to share about that? Yeah, everboarding is just them wanting to stay with you forever and ever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that they've no reason to, to leave. It can be uh, with, you can look at it from the point of view of your team and holding your team and your team staying, um, you know, work, working for the company or, uh, or, or your clients and, and um, absolutely just really showing again and again um, how much you get them, how strategic a partner you, you are and how, you know, you're making their life easy and giving them no reason to, to, to leave. You know, yeah, and 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 I learned a lot about onboarding and the everboarding uh, part of it. And I hadn't realized it until recently enough. I was a director in BNI Business Network International, and this was back in maybe two thousand and eight. They had done a lot of research, and they realized that a member will make up their mind in their first three months of membership if they're going to renew, if they're going to renew, and then they will spend the next nine months justifying that decision. And it is a little bit um, similar enough with, with, with clients. So a lot of the time salespeople or business owners will think, okay, I have a lot of the work done now that I've um, got a new client and the contract is signed, but there can be buyer remorse. Uh, yeah. You know, sometimes you have to really make them excited and um, confirm their choice that they made the right decision to to work with you. So it's it's all about how you creating these little wow moments throughout their their relationship. Which is all the more reason why they need to have, you know, that the that this relationship with clients has to involve other people in the organization. It has to involve the marketing team. It has to involve the person who answers the phone. It has to involve a whole experience that allows it is that idea of customer service, but taking it to the nth level and actually really understanding that it's all strategic. It's all got to be on brand and it's all got to make sense. 
Yes, absolutely. And Shane uh, Kauf of um, Pointlist was sharing with me recently. Genesis were um, uh, acquired by Pointlist there last last year, um, and they have created pods. And part of the the, the pod is made up of a, a number of different team members. So marketing is a key uh, team member, sales is a key team member, and then the um, the IT the IT person or the operations and the service. Um, person so they're all working together constantly on uh, particular uh, clients is how can we best work with them how can we best serve them um okay so we've got this person on board now marketing you develop the messaging in order to get the, the next person in the client's um stakeholder pod to, to get um on board also so yes it is uh, becoming a lot more uh, and it just really makes sense like why should there be silos why should there be silos no matter what size company you are in it it has to be a strategy that just flows the whole way through the organization yeah absolutely couldn't agree more uh there's a great quote by um david packers that marketing is too important to be left to the marketing department what would you like to leave people with today, Kira? Um, what would I like to leave people with? Uh, I think really that notion of of stepping back and really looking at your business from the point of view of the client, uh, because as a business owner or as a team leader, you can just be in 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 the woods too too much, you know. And and giving you, it's almost a gift to give yourself to really take that space to step back. Now it can be really really hard to do by yourself. And I think the more that you educate yourself, the more that you um, train and and talk to other people even um, and, and, and gain that more of holistic uh, approach, that the better um, success that you will have. And I think the more enjoyable also Fanola, you know, like people never really want to feel like they're salespeople, right? And I think I'd love to get rid of that title, even sales uh, salespeople, you know, because what would you like to call them instead? I, I, you know, um, there's a number of different um, there's a number of different titles that different companies has, but something to do with the customer, something that the customer wants, as opposed to what you want. You know, the customer doesn't want the sale, you know, they want the end results, you know. So something to do to do with that. And it, you can have a lot of fun with that, depending on the type of business that you are in. Thank you so much for your time. Absolutely. It's been a pleasure as always. You keep doing your magic, Fanola. <laughs> Thank you so much, Kira. I hope you enjoyed that episode. And if you'd like to find out more about Kira, look her up on LinkedIn or check out kirafeely.com. That's C I A R A. F-E-E-L-Y dot com. And Kira has given us a link to her great quiz called Score Your Team's Ability to Sell, which you can check out here at kirafeely.com forward slash assessment. And if you love listening to this podcast, please leave a five-star review in Apple Podcasts and leave a comment. It helps me understand what's working and encourages others to take a listen, which would mean the world to me. And I'll be back next week with another great guest. And until then, take care.